Welcome back, everybody, to the Luke Beasley Show. It's so great to be with you on this Monday, another week ahead of us. So let's get into it. Well, we've been covering the sad and disastrous attempt by House Republicans to portray President Joe Biden as a horrible, corrupt leader and one that was a part of this bribery scheme they've been alleging. And we kind of got a cherry on top of this absurd attempt type moment when we learned who this credible, quote unquote, credible was the word that was used, whistleblower was, Gal Luft, who James Comer and many others had been promising was going to reveal the evidence. We're going to talk to this whistleblower. He's lost right now, but we're going to find him. And then we're going to reveal evidence about Biden's corruption. Well, then we learn about Gal Luft. Oh, he's an indicted fugitive right now and for what well arms deal related things oil related things and also being a foreign agent unregistered foreign agent on behalf of china one of the little nuggets that they don't like to focus on is that uh indeed galift was trying to influence pedal at least as is being alleged in this indictment but not with president joe biden instead with donald trump um a former advisor to donald trump and so just a complete hard to even uh, write that type of script, political moment, humiliating, and House Republicans are in shambles with their attempt to uh, make this case against Biden. And within that context, I have for you an interview that was done with Democratic Representative uh, Jamie Raskin, where, and this was over the weekend on MSNBC with Jen Psaki, where he makes the point that this whole bribery scheme, James Comer, oversight committee, investigations into Biden is an example of and a representation of just how low Republicans are willing to go to hurt President Joe Biden or in any case their political opponents. And now they are showing interest in protecting this fugitive and apologizing for this fugitive and trying to coordinate with this fugitive just because of their hatred for and motivation to hurt Joe Biden. And that is a really impactful point um, that Jamie Raskin will make here. So how concerned are you that James Comer was the chairman of the committee, was knowingly, unknowingly working with, co-opted by a foreign agent? I'm just concerned that um, the House Oversight Committee, which has a very proud history with you know, Congressman Waxman is chair, uh, the great Elijah Cummings of Maryland is chair, is suddenly being compromised in a really serious way. Our legitimacy is being eroded by the tactics adopted by Chairman Comer. They essentially have said, we will validate anybody who will say anything about the Bidens. And of course, they haven't laid a glove on President Biden. There are real issues that are confronting our people, and they're off on this wild goose chase related to uh, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, and their main witnesses are people who are fleeing justice in America. <laughs> I said it before, but you just can't make this stuff up. I don't think I could have guessed, as I also said in the past, that this would be, if not the conclusion, one of the turns of this House Republican investigation. Uh, I, I couldn't have guessed that this would be it with this... Uh, fugitive who just gushes of a lack of credibility and now they're bending themselves into pretzels trying to say no see this actually strengthens our case against president joe biden and it really is wild and one of the things he said there 
even though oversight and accountability of other elected leaders is really important and that serves a purpose for sure, these types of, as you call it, wild goose chases, as we observe them, it's hard not to think, gosh, what could this time and what could these resources be used for instead? The problems that we deal with every single day in this country, uh, in this country in which there are so many, we could have our leaders focusing on those instead of trying to make out Biden to be super corrupt when there just hasn't been evidence provided to that effect. And as we watch hearing after hearing on this and other things, the FBI hearings we saw recently, it's impossible not to go, man, if we had a bunch of good faith leaders, all this time could be dedicated to trying to understand problems and then come up with and um, implement proper solutions. And then kind of on this subject, Jared Moskowitz um, had a moment during a recent hearing where he talked about the and introduced action he's pushing for now in related to uh, the threat that is posed when we have leaders like James Comer who are more motivated to go after Biden in this case than um, actually work in the interest of the United States. And here's Jared Moskowitz making this point. But they're focused on the audit of the Pentagon. Can you imagine if someone audited this committee? Oh, oh wait, I have that audit of this committee. <clears throat> actually, it's in form of an indictment. That's the audit of this committee. It's an indictment by the Department of Justice because this committee is focusing on working with foreign agents, right? They want to talk about national security. That's why you guys are here. It's about national security. But the main committee is working with an indicted Chinese agent who does business with the Iranian regime and is an illegal arms dealer to Libya. All of this in order to own Hunter Biden. That's how far they've stooped. It reads like a 007 movie, this indictment, except they're working with the villain. You know, that's why I've sent a letter to the China Select Committee, the chairman of that committee, to open up into a, an investigation into what's happening in oversight, because I'm deeply worried about whether the CCP has manipulated the information that's been provided to this committee through their foreign agent that they're working with, and the information that they're then providing to the American people. It's also why I've sent a letter to the chairman of foreign affairs and the chairman of homeland security, because I need to know, and the American people need to know, they have a right to know, whether the indicted foreign agent, the illegal arms salesman who is working within the Iranian regime, who is a supporter of terrorism around the world, that's who they're working with. <clears throat> we need to know whether they have jeopardized homeland security in their search to help Donald Trump in his reelection. I yield back. Devastating point there from Jared Moskowitz. And it's complete speculation, but it's not inconceivable that this was the whole attempt of this information being fed in the first place, presented in the first place as a way to destabilize uh, the perception of legitimacy with the current White House um, from who knows which entity, but with the connections of Galuf, you could conceive of a, a number of different foreign governments and entities that would have an interest in doing just that. And so in their attempt to go after Biden, House Republicans are now putting in jeopardy our own interest in the United States, which is pretty stunning. Well, Donald Trump sat down for an interview with Maria Bartiromo on Fox News, and as you might be able to expect, it was 
very detached from reality. And as Donald Trump gets more and more panicked about his legal troubles, you can tell his explanation for why he did nothing wrong becomes more and more incoherent. And uh, just as we watch this, you can you can pick up on his brain leaking out of his ears. Um, you know how that goes. So here's Trump explaining why in regard to the classified documents case, he did absolutely nothing wrong. This is all election interference. There's no case here. It comes under the Presidential Records Act. I'm allowed to do this. I'm allowed to have all the records I want. In fact, the New York Times, believe it or not, did an article, please, 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 Mr. President, may we have the documents. It only applies to me. It doesn't apply to a vice president. It doesn't apply to anybody else. The Presidential Records Act, 1977-78, they did this for exact, and these people, you know, uh, Jack Smith, whatever his name is, whatever his real name is, but Jack Smith. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know what he's saying, but he's just saying things. Is a thug. He's been overturned in the Supreme Court of the United States for horrible things that he did, horrible, horrible things. And I have to ask this also. Biden has probably 30 or 40 times the number of documents and boxes that I had. You don't even hear anything about it. He doesn't want to give them. He has boxes in Chinatown and he's getting a lot. The records he's referring to are ones that Biden's allowed to have that aren't classified, uh, contrary to Trump's. A lot of money in Chinatown. He's getting a lot of money from China. He's got boxes in Chinatown. Why are they in Chinatown? He's got boxes in his garage under his Corvette all over the floor mm -hmm. of a garage. And the documents that were classified that Biden wasn't supposed to have, right when his lawyers found them, they turned them over to federal authorities, unlike Trump. Garage with a garage door that you can cut open with a paper scissor. I have Mar-a-Lago. I have Secret Service protection. A paper scissor? What? Oh. <laughs> so strange. You can cut garage doors open with scissors? Everything else. But even regardless of that, this is the Presidential Records Act. I'm allowed to do this. Okay, so then, separate from the points that I just made about his uh, series of points there, what, it uh, across that whole clip is bonkers, is that he's making a case for why he didn't do anything wrong in regard to the Presidential Records Act, while number one, he wasn't abiding by the Presidential Records Act, and also, we don't even need to have that conversation because he's being charged under the Espionage Act. So. It's just completely irrelevant, the points that he's trying to make. And this is not going to stand up in a court of law. No hope for that in my mind. I'm not a lawyer, but that would be my um, expectation here. Because he's not even building, at least in his public case, any explanation for why what is alleged in the indictment is not exactly accurate and exactly against the laws that he's being charged um, under. And instead, it's just, yeah, no, I know better and I do everything correct no matter what you say, Pfft, law enforcement, um, prosecutors. And then he retells a story that he's told in the past that is rather inaccurate. They actually indicted an opponent who was the president of the United States. I got indicted. I said, I can't believe it. I got indicted. I could tell you stories of what happened when I went down to New York and when I went down with policemen looking at me and crying. They actually- Just tears streaming down their face. Um, so that didn't happen as you might be able to guess. We talked about this after the 
New York arrest and arraignment, but as The Independent reports, Donald Trump's bizarre claim that New York court staff were crying when he was arrested and arraigned is absolute BS, according to a report. And this was a law enforcement source on the scene who says, no, no one was crying as Trump walked in the building, even though he says otherwise. And that's just complete, quote, absolute BS. Next moment here, and this will be the last that we look at on this, but super interesting, Maria Bartiromo asked a question about what will you do differently? And it kind of gets to the subject of the drain the swamp uh, topic, which is something I find so bizarre with MAGA, where they will say Trump now is going to drain the swamp if he becomes president again. Um, but he wasn't able to, I guess, the four years he was there as president, because right now the deep state's worse than ever. But in 2016, he ran on drain the swamp. So how is it going to be different this time? Um, and he just kind of wanders through an incoherent response. Thing that you could look back on yeah. in 16 that you think maybe you want to do differently this time around. Well, the mistakes would be that a lot of people, for instance, say you should have been softer. This, but I was under siege by people that were very dishonest. I, if I was soft, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Believe me, I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have been able to finish out one of the most successful terms as president to a point where it was so successful that I'm leading by 50 points right now. You know, I mean, that wouldn't have happened. Uh, the, the mistake would be people. I mean, I wouldn't have put a guy like Bill Barr in. He was weak and pathetic. I wouldn't have put uh, Jeff Sessions in. Uh, there are some people that I wouldn't have put in. You know, most people were good. But I had some people. Uh, we had uh, Esper. I didn't like him. He was incompetent, I thought. We had other people I didn't like. Why did you put them in the job then? Because every, look, every president, you put somebody in, you think they're good. No, every president does not see as many people leave the administration and then turn around and say, that's a disaster. And then the administration or the president going, they're incompetent and they were terrible the whole time. That doesn't happen every single time a president's in the White House. That was pretty uniquely your problem. But one thing that has happened, and I find it very interesting, and this is the way life goes, I put people in, I was there 17 times in Washington, D.C., in my whole life. Okay? I never stayed overnight. The press actually reported. Watch this part. Watch how he just kind of wanders and just starts talking about how cool it was to be president. 17. I don't know if it's right, but it's probably pretty right. Uh, I never stayed overnight, ever. And then all of a sudden, I'm the president of the United States. And it's like a different society. I was New York and, you know, it was a different thing. So I didn't know people. I became president. I'm riding down Pennsylvania Avenue with our first lady. I had 250 motorcycles. I had armies. I had everything. I said, do you believe it? We're president. Take a look. This is. We aren't president. You were president. We, no, no, we is president wild right but i never was involved in that and so you didn't know what to expect no no I well i didn't know the people even though in 2016 i said because i'm an outsider because i'm a businessman from new york i'm going to be able to hire the best people and be the best at running the government and now you're turning around and saying i had no idea what i was doing i know the people now better than anybody's ever known the people i know the mm. good ones the bad ones the dumb ones the smart mm. ones I well, think you, you the didn't drain ones. the swamp like you said you would. You didn't drain the swamp. I did. I fired Comey. I fired a lot of people. A lot of the people I had, I fired. I, I fired Comey. Marie Bartiromo, she is a completely detached from reality conspiracy theorist, but there she actually nailed it. No, he didn't do, under his own definition, 
what he said he was going to do because he now says all of these people are deep state rhinos individual that uh, individuals that he celebrated people like bill barr who now call out the threat that trump is um and trump turns around and say says they're completely incompetent don't know what they're talking about and they're rhinos and they're deep state so then why'd you hire them and so many people he's called incompetent or dumb but you hired them that reflects on you the buck stops with you but obviously Trump does not buy into that at all. And it really is wild that his followers believe he's going to do it this time and he'll be able to defeat the deep state, even though after four years of him being president, he had an election stolen from him by the deep state. So clearly it was stronger than ever. They couldn't steal it in 2016, but they could in 2020 after he was president for four years. It doesn't make any sense, obviously, but still he's the cult leader. I will never understand. This is so awesome what we're about to watch. Bad because of who is talking, but awesome because of how much of a failure this is. So over the weekend, um, there was a Turning Point action event, Turning Point USA, Charlie Kirk's organization held an event and a bunch of people, Trump and Don Jr. and Marjorie Green spoke at it. And Marjorie Green, in trying to insult President Joe Biden, made Biden sound so awesome <laughs> and compared him to lbj and fdr and said biden's just continuing work that historically is seen in a very good light by the american people i don't know what she was thinking with this but take a look at representative marjorie taylor green trying to insult biden lyndon b johnson is very similar to joe biden how are they the same they're both democrat socialist Lyndon B. Johnson was the majority. By the way, I'm going to keep complaining about this because I don't understand why they get it wrong over and over and over again. Democrat socialist. That's just not correct. You can try to insult someone, but why is this weird trend right now common on the right where you say things purposely incorrectly? Democratic socialist, even though Biden's not a democratic socialist, that would be the term. Okay. Small thing. Continuing. Already leader in the Senate. Does that sound familiar? He was vice president to Kennedy. Joe was vice president to Obama. He was appointed as the president after JFK was assassinated, then he was elected. His big socialist programs were the Great Society. The Great Society were big government programs to address education, medical care, urban problems, rural poverty, transportation, Medicare, Medicaid, food stamps Ugh, can you imagine biden's trying to be like them and welfare the office of economic opportunity and big labor and labor unions now lbj had the great society but joe biden had build back better and he still is working on it the largest public investment in social infrastructure and environmental programs that is actually finishing what FDR started that LBJ expanded on. Just take this, put a little music under it and run it as a campaign ad for Biden. And Joe Biden is attempting to complete socialism. Meanwhile, we are- Yes, repairing roads and bridges as she referred to the largest uh, investment in infrastructure, socialism. Meanwhile, we are now $32 trillion in debt. And Trump, of course, added more to that debt than 
Biden. With record high homelessness, 40-year record inflation, we're losing the U.S. dollar as the number one world currency. We're losing our freedoms. Our government is one. Okay, normal fear-mongering there that we've addressed in the past. So let's go through this. I have a list for you that we'll walk through in a moment of maybe what she's referring to as being an expansion on the initiatives that happened under FDR and LBJ and why she sees Biden as a little 2.0 of those two individuals. And while it shouldn't be forgotten the massive failures that happened under those two presidents' leadership, of course, notably, also, it's true that the especially social programs that are kind of known as their big legislative successes are hugely popular and their presidencies are seen very positively by Americans today. So to say Biden's like them is a strange rhetorical strategy whenever you're trying to make him look bad. Now, maybe she's referring to and has an issue with the largest investment in infrastructure since the Eisenhower Interstate Highway Program that's happened under President Biden's leadership, or she doesn't like the fact that Biden's trying to get more clean, reliable drinking water out to certain communities. We currently have 10 million Americans who don't have access to clean, reliable drinking water and $55 billion under the same infrastructure law is being spent to address that. Or maybe she doesn't like that rural communities especially are benefiting from investments in broadband internet, expanding internet access out to those communities. Or she doesn't like bridges and uh, uh, roads being invested in in a historic fashion under Biden's leadership, repairing and rebuilding. Or she doesn't like uh, airports being upgraded, passenger rail being invested in, electric vehicle charging stations. She definitely doesn't like that um, being expanded and invested in or moving to the Inflation Reduction Act. She might not like that. Uh, we've seen the largest investment in green energy, the economy that is huge now, but definitely will be that of the future in a massive way, creating jobs as years go on with this huge historic investment in green energy that um, is unmatched historically. And uh, I'm sure she doesn't like the fact that the changes to the tax code under the Inflation Reduction Act will bring in more tax revenue from billionaires and millionaires. And uh, maybe she has an issue with her constituents paying less in prescription drug costs because of the actions taken by the Biden administration and Democrats under the Inflation Reduction Act to allow Medicare to negotiate drug prices as well as capping the cost of insulin at $35 per month out of pocket. Or she might have an issue with his economic record overseeing um, historic job growth that has uh, been a part of the larger economic recovery that was faster and more effective than other G7 countries. And so when you compare economies globally, the United States has done better than other economies. And right now we're seeing the lowest inflation compared to other G7 countries. So I don't know exactly what those uh, items will do to hurt Biden, but feel free Marjorie Green to continue to bash Biden for those historic pieces of legislative victories. And sure, call him the LBJ and FDR 2.0, I guess. Another moment from this uh, Turning Point USA event that we talked about Marjorie Green having a very strange moment at, and now I have for you Ted Cruz having to interact with the beast that he has helped to create, which is to say that an individual comes up to Ted Cruz um, or comes up to the mic and asks Ted Cruz a question about the belief this guy has that 
I guess, Biden or a bunch of people within the Democratic Party should be locked up. They should be in jail. Why hasn't that happened yet? And Ted Cruz gives an answer for why that is. Now, of course, the reason why they haven't been locked up is because they haven't committed crimes. And just because James Comer says otherwise doesn't actually make that the reality. But now Ted Cruz is having to answer for why he's not locking up people, which he doesn't have the authority to do, um, or why people aren't being locked up based on conspiracy theories he's spread. And it's an uncomfortable moment. Take a look. I am so tired of hearing we're going to hold them responsible. I want to know why, after six months, we can't put anybody in jail. It's a great question. You know how uh, every time I go to these <laughs> Trump rallies, Trump supporters are telling me that it's so horrible that the left wants their political enemies locked up? Hmm. Senator, we so, so, so Mike, thank you for that question. You are exactly right, and it is infuriating and frustrating. And I'll tell you, let me tell you why people haven't gone to jail. Because under it, it's a great question. Let me tell you why. I mean, and this is unfortunate, but unlike Trump, the people we want locked up haven't committed crimes. And so then I'm being told that we can't put them in jail. It doesn't make any sense. For our Constitution and the federal government, the only people who can bring a prosecution is the executive branch of the government, and in particular, the United States Department of Justice. That means no member of the legislature can bring an indictment, no member of the legislature can convene a grand jury, no member of the legislature can prosecute a case. Likewise, no member of the court, no judge can say, I'm going to prosecute someone. It is only the executive branch, and it is why it is such a tragic disaster that we have a Biden administration led by Merrick Garland, the most political attorney general in history, who refuses to enforce the law. And so... Hmm. I think he's enforcing the law just fine. Uh, based on, of course, the law, not what they want the law to be, which is anyone who speaks incorrectly of anything other than completely um a bootlicker for donald trump should be locked up and anyone who defeats trump in election should be locked up the law doesn't say that so unfortunately merrick garland's not enforcing the law that they would like which seems to be the case now what they're referring to i'm sure is hey it's not cool that trump's being prosecuted for things that he's done that pretty clearly violate the law and there's actually evidence for that fact when biden's not being prosecuted for accusations that evidence hasn't been brought forward on that's not fair but of course it is fair that is how the system should work now if evidence of crimes comes forward uh against biden then absolutely prosecute him but the evidence actually does matter believe it or not now on this subject of kind of the republican party creating a monster and then not knowing how to deal with it. Asa Hutchinson, who's running for president and is not pro-Trump, got booed when he went on stage. It's my, I am delighted to be here today to express my support for young people being engaged in the political arena and fighting. 
Right. So any Republicans, I guess you could call, of the past have no shot anymore. They don't have any ability to thrive within this modern GOP because of Trumpism, MAGA, and it's just taken hold. And I don't feel bad for these Republicans because for so many years, while liberals were begging them to, they didn't call out Trump for the danger that he was. And they didn't denounce the things he would do and say, and instead thought they could use him and his movement and then discard it. But now the movement has taken control and is discarding them. Just a couple miscellaneous moments from this event that I don't want to spend a whole segment on. Uh, Steve Bannon had this little moment. This is a crusade. This is a holy war against the deep state. Donald Trump is our instrument for retribution. I don't want to hear Glenn Youngkin in a vest. I don't want to hear Kemp with his George axe. I don't want to hear it. Donald Trump is our instrument for righteous indignation. What am I supposed to say on that? Yikes, period, is my response. Seriously dangerous. And then I'll just send you away with something that will give you nightmares. Here is a few moments that happen to be of a similar kind, a compilation that was put together from Tucker Carlson's speech. Go Megyn Kelly. I mean, <laughs> I will say it's tempting. Whoever said do it. You're the devil on my shoulder. <laughs> do it. <laughs> I've, I've, spent my, I've spent my whole life. No, 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 no. Thank you. <laughs> right? <laughs> Probably not gonna get very far, right? Why? Shut up! Uh, this is running the world. <laughs> like, what wouldn't they do? <laughs> cool. So, uh, for my YouTube segment viewers, as you leave this video, have a good day after that. Interesting piece out of Axios uh, I want to talk about titled 2024 House Majority Runs Through the Courts. And what it's talking about is the importance in this upcoming 2024 um, election when it comes to the House of Representatives of both some court cases that have been decided and some that will um, in the future before that election in regard to congressional districting and the maps that we'll be dealing with for congressional districts and the role that gerrymandering will or won't be allowed to play in this election. And it writes, the outcome of unusual off-cycle redistricting efforts in at least five states, Alabama, Louisiana, New York, North Carolina, and Ohio will play an outsized role in determining which party holds the House majority next year. Typically, the battle for House control takes place on the campaign trail in 2024. Decisions in state courtrooms will also help to or help determine which party wins control of the lower chamber. Congressional maps are drawn every 10 years following the census and are intended to last a decade, but with courts becoming more politicized and partisans seeking every advantage they can get, there's been a flurry of activity seeking to overturn the maps that were implemented for last year's elections. And then it walks through some specific cases that um, have been huge in the news right now. And just to give you one example of the impact that these court cases can make and decisions on the districting in certain states, um, how that can affect the amount of uh, 
Congress people that different parties will be sending to Washington after the election. As the Atlantic writes, in North Carolina, a partisan gerrymander that would have given Republicans as many as 11 out of 14 seats was overturned. So take in your mind 11 out of 14. And then because it was overturned, the replacement map elected seven Republicans and seven Democrats. So you go from the possibility of 11 Republicans with three Democrats to seven and seven. Same population of people, just spliced up differently. And then it also walks through other examples for the sake of time and interest. We'll skip past that with the understanding that in a lot of the states that were listed there, you could have a similar effect as what we saw in North Carolina, where luckily the correct decision was made and a more fair map was implemented. But that won't necessarily always be the case. Um, and in a sense, unfair decisions in favor of Democrats could yield better outcomes in the election from our perspective in kind of an interesting way. And so we'll be watching this really closely because it could be what decides whether we have another two years of a Republican majority in the House with all the investigations and nonsense and political stunts or some meaningful legislation that um, Democrats could get through and continuing on the agenda that they started um, at the beginning of Biden's presidency. So huge stuff. And we're seeing some good steps in the courts and some really scary potential situations um, with gerrymandering if correct decisions aren't made. Ron DeSantis appeared on Fox News and got asked about a criticism from Chris Christie and others of Ron DeSantis and a lot of these GOP candidates that they aren't willing to really aggressively go after Trump. Now, the wording that was used was something like exchange insults, which does kind of take down the seriousness of the criticism, I think, because it's not that I want other GOP candidates to just insult Trump, but instead accurately criticize him and aggressively criticize him. And uh, DeSantis responds to this by walking through what he feels, I guess, makes him different than Trump, sets him apart, and the eyes of the GOP base possibly makes him better. Definitely not in my eyes. Both of them are horrible, but um, I found this interesting. We'll discuss after. Christie, who was on this uh, program a couple of weeks ago, says he's the only one that goes directly at Trump. Uh, insult for insult, calling him a coward and so forth. And that the rest of you just dance around for fear of offending him or his supporters. Does he have a point? I don't do insults, so that, that is true. I, I think just getting in this insult game turns voters off. It's not something I want to do. Substantively, uh, we've been very frank uh, at our differences uh, with respect uh, to the former president. I mean, for example, he promised to drain the swamp. It got worse. He did not drain the swamp. He promised to build, have Mexico pay for a border wall. They did like 50 miles of wall. There's massive expansive still there. He said he was going to eliminate the national debt. They added almost $8 trillion to the debt. Uh, in four years. And of course, in 2020, he turned the country over to Dr. Fauci and those lockdowns and the borrowing and printing really sent us on a bad course. All I've right. been very, very frank at that, but I have no interest in attacking Donald Trump or any of these other candidates personally. I think we've got to rise above that and yeah, let's focus were, on the you issues. You were once allies. I've got about half a minute, Governor. Did you let Trump define you by waiting too long to respond to his attacks when you were being governor and you weren't officially in the race? 
Not at all. I think even some of these polls, if you're going to take them for what they're worth, mm -hmm. uh, they say I have the highest favorability amongst Republican voters. And so I think they made a big mistake by spending all that money against me. Uh, I don't think it had its intended effect. And, you know, we have a pack. I can't control it. But I imagine they're going to start lighting up the airwaves pretty soon uh, with a lot of good stuff about me. And that's going to give us a great lift. So we look forward to that. It's really interesting. Every time DeSantis tries to distinguish himself from Trump, in every way, it's not going to work, which is an indictment of the current Republican Party and of DeSantis and just all of it is a mess. And so what I mean by that is on some things that are more reasonable to call Trump out on, like Trump said he was going to balance the budget or whatever. And of course, he didn't. He jacked up the deficit and added to the debt in historic fashion. Um, so that, I guess, is a fair thing to call him out for not following through on. Or if you're someone who's supportive of the wall, hearing a candidate say Trump said he was going to build it, but he didn't. Um, but we've seen people point these things out. And I've had conversations with Trump supporters on the ground at events and pointed this out to them. And they don't care. It doesn't really matter. It's about Trump and just his his vibe pretending like all these things are being done that is the only priority, I guess. And then on some things, I guess you could conceive of someone who's hardcore MAGA liking DeSantis more because he says he would have been even more irresponsible with his handling of COVID and Trump was too in line with the public health community, which is absurd, but maybe that could sway them. But then anyone who's going to go, ooh, or I should say DeSantis trying to win people over who might go, oh, look, he's even more MAGA than Trump. DeSantis will then brand himself as way too right wing for the general electorate. To beat Trump by going too hardcore MAGA will make him unelectable in the general election. Um, but then being more reasonable so that you could win in the general election, which is sort of originally what a lot of Republicans thought DeSantis would do, like he can be a more electable candidate, then you won't be able to win over MAGA because they want you to be hardcore like Trump. And that's why I think there's just no way DeSantis can go that won't lead him to be uh, being defeated by Donald Trump. And while I don't want DeSantis to win, I also see this predicament that every candidate's in of kind of not being able to defeat Trump because of the current reality of the party as a huge indictment of the modern state of the Republican Party. And that's really disturbing that really it is MAGA that controls the party. Well, we end today with something that will make you cringe so aggressively, you might have to make a doctor's appointment. Get ready, okay? Um, this is as cringy as it gets. Marjorie Taylor Greene has done a music video with Forgiato Blow, the MAGA rapper that I interviewed at Trump's arrest and arraignment, and it is brutal. Um, I'll remind you of what that debate that I had with this guy, or quick interview debate thing, looked like after we watch this music video but i will warn you if you're watching this and then all of a sudden this video disappears there's a chance it'll be copyrighted possibly even blocked from being visible we'll just have to see but i wanted to cover it because it's just too cringy not to so here's this forgiata blow and the song is mtg the democrats are a party of pedophiles they support just right off the bat starting with that children. Even Joe Biden, the president himself, supports children being sexualized and having transgender surgeries. Sexualizing children is what pedophiles do to children. MTG, Mega's MVP. MTG, Mega's MVP. MTG, Mega's MVP. MTG, Mega's
his MVP. Democrats get back. Boom. Reporters even get slapped. They're spreading all these rumors because Marjorie be spitting big facts. Deep state in the lift. I don't know of very many facts that Marjorie has ever stated in her career as a congresswoman. So, without getting into specifics, I was seeing a lot of uh, talk, we'll end the video there, um, as far as watching the music video, uh, about the past songs that Forgiata Blow has put out and how they're not exactly party of family values friendly, we'll say, the subject matter, and that's definitely the case. The underlying hypocrisy of they never actually cared about that, we have to be in line with certain values we consider to be a party of family values type model no that never happened um or that never was something that they actually subscribed to it was just a way to judge people they didn't like and uh so definitely fair to call that out but i don't feel like walking through those past songs one of the past songs though that forgiado blow put out was called boycott target and that's what we talked about you might remember this discussion uh at trump's arrest I am here with Forgiato Blue. And you recently released a song, right, about Target? Yeah, Boycott Target went number one on iTunes charts. Pretty cool stuff. Heck yeah. And what motivated you to write that song? Um, I'm pretty much... The, the, the evil agenda they're pushing on these children, right? So as I was just telling the man before, it's not like an anti-gay song. You know, it's an anti-putting children... Pride clothes with bathing suits where you can uptuck your genitals in. But they didn't do that, right? Target did do that. No, that's been like debunked 30 times. It's not been debunked. I've been in Target. And of course, I have a bunch of articles on screen debunking what he's saying. But why let facts get in the way of a good song, eh? I've hold, held it up. It's for adults. No, there's a children's site you want to see right now? Sorry, let me correct that. Why let facts get in the way of a bad song? On my stuff? I promise that that's only in adult sizes. It's not adult sizes. You want to see the children's stuff? I have it. Yeah. Here is children clothes, my guy. Celebrating Pride Month, these are children clothes. See, you told me tuck it. No, all the pride clothes. You think any pride clothes are bad? Telling a child, hey, yeah, whoever kid, you are, straight. A kid doesn't straight, need to be wearing a shirt. You say, hey, my man, a, you think a kid in third grade needs to be wearing a shirt that says trans life matter? No, sir. Sure. Let me tell you why. Tell me why. I wouldn't even pay for a Bud Light. So, after a little bit of discussion and pushback, all he can provide is a trans lives matter t-shirt for a child is the justification for as you heard in that marjorie green song calling all the left pedophiles and groomers and targeting our children when in reality it is the democratic party constantly fighting to actually um while as i always say far from perfect when comparing the democrats to the republicans the democrats are far superior on fighting for the uh, well-being of children just one example is the leading cause of death for children being firearms and democrats actually being willing uh to implement laws to address that and republicans standing against that that's not protecting the kids when you allow them to die at the hands of firearms um but there it is 
MTG and Forciano Blow. Very, very strange. Make sure you are subscribed to the YouTube channel. Thank you all so much for watching and listening to today's show. I will see you tomorrow.